the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown, good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Come on, brothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown, good Lord, show me the way. Let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, fathers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown, good Lord, show me the way. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown, good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sinners, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sinners, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown, good Lord, show me the way. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I want to share with you today, out of the book of Mark, one of the most precious truths that has been hidden from God's people. It's been the source of great conflict and great untruths. Let's turn Mark, the second chapter, and
and let's pray as we begin. Lord, as I walk through this today, Jesus, would you come in power and open the hearts and minds of each person listening that they could grasp this precious truth that is so hidden today from everyone in the Christian fellowship. Lord, uncover it for us, expose it for us, and invite us in. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mark, the second chapter. I'll begin reading with verse 23. If you don't have your Bible, please grab one or jot down these passages. They're precious and you're going to want to go through them. But stay with me until you see the depth of what Jesus wants to share with you today. I know it will bring such gladness to your heart. One Sabbath, you know what the Sabbath is. It's the seventh day of the week. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields with his disciples. And as they walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathur the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I want you to hear this. The Sabbath is subject to Jesus because Jesus is greater than the Sabbath. He continues, chapter 3, verse 1. Another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everybody. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life, or to kill. But they remained silent. <coughs> Pardon me. He looked around at them in anger, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Jesus broke their flesh law, and their response was, on the Sabbath, how can we kill Jesus? The creator of heaven and earth, how can we kill him? Because he said he's greater than the Sabbath, and he heals. Now, let's get some history about the Sabbath. We find the first mention of the Sabbath in the book of Genesis, I want to read it for you. Chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, 
he rested from all of his work. But God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now we don't hear any mention of the Sabbath again until under Moses. And under Moses, at Mount Sinai, the law is given. And this is what it says about the seventh-day Sabbath. This is Exodus, the 20th chapter, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you will labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your manservant nor your maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We have many other passages in the Old Testament with reference to this Sabbath day. Now, they were taught how to keep the Sabbath by remaining in their tents and not collecting manna on the seventh day, on the Sabbath. So this Sabbath issue is, is vital to begin to understand, <coughs> pardon me, particularly in the context of the New Testament. Let me just make some statements that will help clarify the issue. No one kept the Sabbath day from the time of the fall of Adam and Eve until Moses. There's no record of Abraham being told to keep the Sabbath. There's no record of any person being told to keep the Sabbath until many years later, under Moses, the Sabbath was given back to the children of Israel for one day a week. Now, this is the day that God rested from all of his work. What did he do on the eighth day and the ninth day and the tenth day? His work of creation was finished. So what did he do? Well, he rested. Every day in the Garden of Eden, he came and walked with them in the cool of the evening. He spent time with them. The word Sabbath means to rest. The seventh day of the week, to enter into the rest. The word rest is simply to cease the work, to no longer engage in the work. And so we come into the New Testament, and there's been a great deal of confusion with some Christians saying, no, you must keep the seventh-day Sabbath holy because it's in the Ten Commandments. You must keep the seventh day holy and not do any work on it. Now, what does the New Testament have to say about the Sabbath? Certainly, the Sabbath is a precious gift to every human person. The Sabbath 
is vital in our understanding of what the gospel is. They are connected. You can't separate them. Let me read for you, and I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture today. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. I'll begin with verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest it still remains that some will enter that rest. Those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today. When a long time later he spoke through David, as he said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every every effort to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. If we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Now I want you to hear, the word is, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. There is a place of rest for us today in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's called today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the seventh day. Every day in the New Testament is a seventh day. The law 
was only a shadow of what was to come. And so in the very heart of the Decalogue, we have the seventh-day Sabbath command. How do we keep that seventh-day command in the New Covenant? The seventh day was not changed to Sunday. Nowhere is there any word revealing to us any portion of Scripture that transitioned the Sabbath to Sunday. It is always the seventh day of the week. But when we come to Hebrews, the third and fourth chapters, we find that there is a new concept being given to us, and that is that the Sabbath is today. Every day in the New Testament is a seventh day. Every day is a Sabbath day. Every day we are called to enter into the rest of Jesus Christ and to cease our own works. Now I'd like to give you several other passages of Scripture that will help us understand what's being said. Romans, the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 12. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. And I recognize that this Sabbath issue is a disputable issue. I've heard all of the arguments both for the Sabbatarian position, for the Sunday position, I maintain neither of them. Rather, for me, every day is a Sabbath day. And I have been called to leave all of my work of this world. And I believe you have been too. And enter into the rest of God. For me, salvation in the New Testament is the Sabbath day. Now notice, one man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is wheat, eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does not. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. Now note, one man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. I consider every day alike. Every day for me is a Sabbath day. And some have said to me, Do you keep the Sabbath? And I answer them, Gladly, yes. I keep the Sabbath every day of the week. I don't turn to any worldly entertainment, or life. I do only the work that Jesus gives me to do, and I remain in his rest. Notice, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God, and he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. 
So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Now, there's another passage I want to turn to. Galatians, the fourth chapter. I'm going to read for you verses 9, 10, and 11. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days, months, seasons, and years. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. Paul is saying, look, I don't observe special days like the weekly Sabbath and then the monthly celebrations, the season celebration, the year's celebrations. He doesn't enter into that. Now, I've had Christian brothers and sisters say, oh, you have to keep the Passover and you have to do this and that. No, the Apostle Paul says, what? No. Everything is now given to Jesus. He is the one. Now, stay with me. I'm going to read a couple more passages, and then we're going to begin to draw this together, and I want to share with you a most glorious and wonderful truth. Colossians, the second chapter. I'll begin reading for you at verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to live in him, rooted, build up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and, and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you've been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that come. Reality is found in Christ. The reality is found in Christ. 
it's clear as I've shared these passages of Scripture with you. That in fact, we have been given fullness in Jesus Christ. Again, Romans 14, one man considers one day more sacred than the other, another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord. I would not tell you don't worship on the seventh-day Sabbath. But I will tell you that there is no requirement in the New Testament for the seventh-day Sabbath observance. It is instead, today, every day is a Sabbath day. And every day we enter into his rest. Now, nowhere in the New Testament is there one word given about how to keep a Sabbath day. My father was a Sabbath day keeper. And before he died, I asked him the question, I said, Dad, tell me, you have these rules governing your keeping of the seventh-day Sabbath. Where do you get those rules? Did you make them up? Are these the traditions of men? For example, we were not allowed to ride our bicycles on the Sabbath day. We could not spend any money on the Sabbath day. But at the same time, they lit the fire on the stove on the Sabbath day, which was utterly forbidden in the Old Testament. Totally inconsistent, but in my father's mind, he was keeping holy the seventh-day Sabbath. I don't condemn him for that. He was welcome any day he chooses to be special before Jesus, and he does it unto the Lord is acceptable before the Lord. But it hides a precious truth that we need to grasp a hold of today. Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. He healed him on the Sabbath, even though it caused the Pharisees to begin to try to find a way to kill him. See, Jesus is greater than all of our traditions. He's greater than the law. He's greater than the Sabbath. And all through the New Testament, we are invited to enter into the rest of Jesus, where we stop our own labor and instead we focus on entering in and learning from Jesus. Let me read it for you. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That word rest is most interesting. Literally, it's the bedroom. It's cessation. It's, it's where you lay down to sleep. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Some of you may not understand that reference to a yoke. The oxen were put in a, a yoke of harnessing to pull the plow. 
or to pull the wagon. Jesus is saying, look, take my yoke, get connected with me, be be yoked up with me. And he says, because I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Such a glorious truth of Scripture is that we are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. When we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we have clothed ourselves with Christ. Now there's not a Jew or a Greek, there's not a slave or a free, there's not a male or a female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. We're all one because we have entered into the rest of God. The rest of God is where we stop the struggle. We give ourselves utterly and completely to the fullness of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Do you understand? When you come to Jesus Christ and you die, you're crucified with Christ. You leave all of the worldly flesh behind. You literally now, as you set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, he's saying, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you shall appear with him in glory. Therefore, mortify or put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, Now he's going to be very specific about what he's talking about. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, Rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together, in perfect unity. Well, what if I demand that another person apologize to me or I'm not going to forgive them? 
then I'm leaving the rest of God and I'm entering into the contention of the flesh. Anger, rage, malice, slander. Yesterday, a phone rang. I saw the name pop up on my telephone. I didn't answer the telephone because this person has grievously wronged me publicly. I said, Lord, I'm not going to answer that phone now. I need to come before you and search my heart and make certain that there's nothing left in my heart of anger or judgment or bitterness because of how this person has treated me. And so I took that time and I carefully prayed through all of that which he has done to me. And when I finished, it was all under the blood of Jesus. It was before I started to pray, but I had to make certain. If I hold a grudge against someone else because of what they've done in hurting me or hurting the church, then I have to come before Jesus and have him do a heart check because I don't trust myself. I want to dwell in today in the rest of Jesus Christ. I don't want to rest in the events of the past and how I have been wronged or hurt or mistreated or dealt with in an unfair, lying manner. I don't want to live in that. I have entered into the rest of Jesus Christ. And so there are times when I have to check very carefully and make certain that the peace of Jesus rules in my heart, that there's nothing in my heart that rises up and says, that was wrong. You can't treat me that way. If you treat me that way, I'm done with you. I can't do that. And then when you come to the Lord's Prayer, Listen to it. This is the NIV. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Did you catch that? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. If you look at Mark, the 11th chapter, I want you to hear this. It's a vital principle. And then we're going to tie it together. And I think it will all make sense to you. Jesus says this in the 11th chapter of Mark. Verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. 
Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. I could point out a number of other passages of Scripture that teach the same thing, but now let's, let's draw this thing together. There is in Scripture, in the Old Testament, one day a week called the Sabbath. And on that Sabbath day, God commanded that no work be done, either by me or by anyone in my household, or an alien who is in my household to work, to do something for me. No work. It is a day of rest. But then we come to the New Testament. And there's a command that today is the day of salvation. Enter into the rest of God today. So for me, every day is today. And I'm called to enter into that rest with Jesus Christ, where I stop all of my own attempts to be made righteous I am made righteous, I am justified freely by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. I'll read it for you. Romans, the third chapter, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared or no one will be made righteous in his sight by observing the law. No one will be declared under the old covenant law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Verse 22, This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe, there's no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And that word justified, dikasune, in the new covenant means to be rendered righteous or to be rendered innocent. In other words, to be made righteous by his grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So, in the new covenant, I am made righteous by a gift from Jesus Christ. It is not imputed to me. It is imparted to me. It is a righteousness that is given to me. I am transformed. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am made whole. And this righteousness comes through every day being utterly, totally, completely given to Jesus Christ. Now here's the wonderful truth. You are invited to enter into the rest of God. The cessation of all labor a place of peace and joy, a place where your heart is constantly, seven days a week, 
lifted up to Jesus Christ. Seven days a week, your soul finds rest in being yoked with Jesus, learning his ways. The peace of God rules in your heart. You are utterly given over to Jesus. So it's not, I go to church on Saturday or I go to church on Sunday and then I leave and I'm back at the rat race. No, when you come to Jesus, the rat race is over. You no longer walk in the ways of this world. You no longer walk in the love of this world or in the flesh of this world. Instead, you walk freely in Jesus Christ. I'll read this to you. Once you were alienated from God, Colossians, the first chapter, verse 21, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope that is held out in the gospel. What is the gospel hope that is held out to you? That you could enter into the rest of Jesus and be yoked together with him and walk each day holy before God, not given to the power of darkness, not being given to the flesh. Now, it's very clear that if you walk in unforgiveness, if you walk in bitterness, you cannot enter and remain in the rest of God. You must come out of that. You must not indulge the sinful nature. The very nature of a Christian is a person who rests in the power and the might and the glory of Jesus Christ. Without holiness, no one will please the Lord and no one will see the Lord. And holiness comes as we are utterly given over to Jesus. As we allow the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit by the power of the blood to wash and cleanse and change us into the image of Jesus Christ. So it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. I want to tell you today, you don't have to live by the flesh. You don't have to fight and scramble for your own dignity. You don't have to defend yourself. The rule of the kingdom of God is not that you be treated in such and such a manner. The rule of the kingdom of God is that you live by the Spirit and you no longer gratify the desires of the sinful nature. I am not under the law. Does that mean the law is powerless? Yes, the law is powerless to make me righteous. But once I die to sin, once I am crucified with Christ, then day by day, 
I am made alive by the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I am yoked together with Jesus. I walk in the Spirit. And as that supernatural work of God is done in my heart by faith, the law is perfectly kept in my life. The law was not meant to be done away with. The law was meant to bring conviction to sinners. The law was not given for the righteous. It was given for the wicked. The law is fulfilled in my life by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. So today, as we look at this Sabbath rest, Jesus said, let me turn to it quickly. (coughs) Pardon me. Jesus said in Mark, this is Mark, the second chapter, verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Could I put it another way? The Lord is the Sabbath. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And he's saying, come, be yoked together with me. Learn my ways. Don't walk defending yourself. Don't walk angry with others and cutting others off. Repent of that. Repent of all wickedness in your heart, all pride, all self-sufficiency. Walk in the peace of Jesus Christ and let him rule over your heart and over your life. Jesus is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord of the rest because he is the rest. Hidden right in the center of the Decalogue in that beautiful fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus and remain in his holiness. That's what the rest is all about. Now, some of you may want to keep the seventh-day Sabbath. I won't tell you you're wrong. If you do that unto Jesus, okay. Some of you may believe every day is the Sabbath. Or you may keep Sunday as the Sabbath. But all of that is to miss the glorious truth that every day of the week is a Sabbath. Jesus is deeply disturbed because in their legalism in the third chapter of Mark they condemn him for healing a man on the Sabbath. All healing is found in the Sabbath. All healing is found in rest in Jesus Christ. That's where the flowing power of God exhibits itself most beautifully and powerfully. Today, I'm a Sabbath keeper. 
I keep today. Every day I keep. I am a Sabbath keeper. For my salvation is called the Sabbath rest. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, there yet remains a day, a Sabbath day, to enter into his rest. If Joshua had brought them into the rest, it wouldn't be spoken of again. But Joshua couldn't bring him into that rest. Only Jesus Christ can bring us into the Sabbath rest, and there we stay eternally. And every day is a Sabbath day of rest where we have left our own work and we've entered into the work of Jesus Christ doing whatever he directs us to do, doing it in the spirit of love and joy and peace, testifying that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, every day testifying of my love and my commitment to this person, Jesus Christ. Today is the Sabbath. Well, we're almost out of time for this broadcast, but just a couple of things I want to say to you. I've been struggling with this question in, in the prayer closet, not in my mind. I'm at peace. But I've been praying about, do we step forward and do FM? Now, there's no doubt doing FM would broaden our reach considerably in the city and would confront this city with its wickedness. You know that this message is an unvarnished message, and it's a straight biblical message that we are to come into the fullness of Jesus Christ. We are to enter his rest. We are to turn from all wickedness, all anger, all bitterness. We are to walk in love and peace and joy with all men. That we are made righteous by faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we walk without sin, with the old nature removed. This is what John Wesley taught. This is what the old-time preachers taught. Charles Finney taught this, and many others. This is the same thing that Reese Howells taught. Or I've read to you a number of stories about Guy Bevington. Well, all of these people, including everyone at Azusa Street in the great revival that started the whole Pentecostal movement. They all believed the same gospel truth that I preach day by day on this radio broadcast. So what I'm trying to say to you is I have no ability to go to the FM dial without having tremendous support from many of you. I am so grateful for each of you who supports this AM radio broadcast. It is paid for completely by our precious listeners, you who are moved and touched by the Holy Spirit. And I'm so grateful for you. But if we're going to take that next step, and I wouldn't have the courage to come and say this except that some of you have stepped forward and said, I'll give 3000 or I'll give 3500 well, I need a number of you to step forward and say, Pastor, I'll give $1,000 a month. 
or I'll give $1,500 a month or whatever amount Jesus tells you to give. I need some pledges and, and for you to step forward right now and begin to give that $1,000 a month or whatever Jesus tells you so that we can build up that FM fund. We can't go there without the ability to pay. How much will it cost? Well, we're negotiating that right now. So if you'd like to see this broadcast transition to a much broader audience, then I invite you to contact me to give. Now, we also need your support to pay this month's radio bill. Last month is paid for. Praise Jesus! This is the address you can write to me at. It's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm not going to press and emotionalize this issue. I'm not going to tell you stories. If the Holy Spirit is saying to you, give, then please step forward and give, either for this AM station or to help us move to the FM. I love each one of you. The great desire of my heart is that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the power of Pentecost. That's my cry. That revival would come in Washington, D.C. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 